That's our new theme song. Hey, you're listening to The Dollop. This is a uh, bi-weekly podcast where I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is about. That's kind of lackluster. Sorry, you want me to go again? Yep. To Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic (laughs) is about. Oh, we have fun. All right, we're not going to get... Uh, well, that was great. I've given you options. We're going to move on. God, you want to hit a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Garrett. Is Dave okay? Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Things. Um, sure. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. The dollop. If you want, if you have ideas for uh, stories, uh, subject ideas, you can send them to uh, the dollop podcast at Gmail, and I'll read them, and I'll either dismiss it and call you a moron, or I'll think that was a great idea. And I'm not involved in that process. No, you do nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. <laughs> well, he loves porno. December 17th, 1760. Okay. Deborah Sampson was born in Plimpton, Massachusetts. She was from an old school American family. She was the oldest of seven children born to Jonathan Sampson Jr. and Deborah Branford Sampson, both of old colonial stock. Her grandparents had been original pilgrims who landed at Plymouth Rock. No, no, no. Plymouth Rock landed on them. Boom. Her mother was a descendant of William Bradford, once governor of Plymouth Colony, and her father was a descendant of Miles Standish, military leader of the Pilgrims. Sure. So she's got the fucking blood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Her father had some money problems. Okay. And so he went on a sea voyage to look for riches. (laughs) Always, always the right choice. That's a good side, right? Yeah, yeah, because you can't see anything underwater. He never returned. Oh, Jesus. Well. Who would have thought? Yeah. Some people believe he was killed in a shipwreck, while others believe he just went to Maine and started a new family. Oh, boy. Either way, no one really I'm going to go find treasure. To Maine, please. And these lobsters are yummy. And what's your name? Gloria, is it? I've never been married before. No. Why do you ask? I don't have a big family. My name's Dale. So mom was alone with seven kids and had no money. She was forced to put all the kids in different households of friends and relatives. Oh, Deborah was five and was sent to live with her aunt, who then immediately died. Okay. Deborah was then sent to live with the widow of a reverend in rural Massachusetts. Five years later, the widow sold Deborah into indentured servitude, where she basically worked as a slave for a deacon on a farm in Middlesbrough, Massachusetts. Can't give a fucking heads up to the mom at all? I don't know if the mom could have done anything. Well, still. Whatever, but... I'm going to go sell her. Yeah, but you make a little... You sell. I'd say if you're the mom, you're like, I want to sell her then. You make, it. A, make a little scratch. If we're selling her, I'll sell her. Well, you don't have her anymore. I want her. I want her. Let me take her, her out for one last day. Gave her up. Walked away. I sell her. For the next eight years, that's where she lived. Uh, on December 6, 1775, that was the official start of the Revolutionary War. Deborah was 16 years old when the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. The men and boys from all around were joining the militia or the Continental Army led by General George Washington. Mm-hmm. 
Deborah was very tall, powerfully built, and determined. As an indentured servant, Deborah wasn't allowed to go to school or get an education. Perfect. Which is cool. That's super cool. Yep. So she taught herself to read and write and spent her spare time secretly reading anything she could get her hands on. Wow. Plowing by day and reading political pamphlets by night, Samson managed to educate herself to the point where when she was released from her servitude on her 18th birthday, she got a job as a school teacher. Wow. Yeah. All right. Some fucking shit, right? Yeah. She's bringing it. Hear that, kids? But the life of a school teacher was not for Deborah. She then had a weird encounter with a dude who was in love with her. She described him as having, quote, all of the sang freud of a Frenchman and the silliness of a baboon. Then she says, quote, she set him down a fool or in a fair way to be one. I'm not really sure what that means. but She turned him into a baboon. She set him down a fool must have mean she told him no. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, so anyway, that was Broke it. Broke his baboon heart. And she bailed. She left the fucking, she couldn't take it anymore. She left the town. Deborah learned uh, two of the boys she had lived with on the farm had been killed in the war, and she was very upset by the news. Okay. Now, it was illegal for women to wear pants in these days, but that's exactly what Deborah which, did. Which we learned. <laughs> she used her. And also, it was wrong for them to run. <laughs> Running and wearing pants were not okay. Thank you. Yeah. She used her income to buy a bunch of cloth, stitched herself a pair of pants, and dressed up as a man. She then went to visit her mother to see if her disguise would work. When her mother did not recognize her, she went off to enlist in the Continental Army to fight in the American Revolution. Holy shit. All right. The first recruiting office Samson went to, she was signing her papers when someone noticed she was holding the quill strangely. It turns out Deborah had been robbed in the past and her finger was injured during the crime, causing her to hold the pen strangely. The person realized who she was and the recruiting sergeant told her he'd have her arrested if she attempted to enlist again. Jesus. But what, what, so she, her, what was her pen? I don't know, but I love that she had a weird pen hand. <laughs> like, that's, that's what gave her away. Hold on a minute! Hold on! You're not writing like you got a dick. I can barely... S- you're holding that... Move your tits. You're holding that pen weird. Yeah, get your tits out of here. There's something wrong with your hand. <laughs> really focused on the paw here. <laughs> she was holding... I mean, she must have really been holding that pen fucked up. Yeah, yeah. She must, she must have been writing, I'm a woman. Like, that must have been what it was. <laughs> So uh, she walked out the front door, walked several miles up the road to the next town, and enlisted with the crew of a privateer warship that was heading off to sink British supply transports off of Cape Cod. Deborah Sampson's pirate career lasted about two days. The captain she signed on with was a monster who enjoyed beating up his sailors. Deborah took the first chance she got to go AWOL. She jumped ship in Uxbridge Harbor and went and enlisted in the Continental Army under the Name Robert Shirtliff. Shirtliff. The uniform they issued her didn't fit, so she grabbed a needle and thread and altered the uniform herself. Right. Gave her a little, a little tit bit, room. A little bit too much room in the junk part. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Private Shirtliff was assigned to the 4th Massachusetts Regiment and was sent to West Point, New York, to do battle with British infantry that was occupying New York City. The unit consisted of 50 to 60 men and was first quartered at Worcester. Deborah was five foot eight and tough enough to handle the brutal drilling of the Continental Army. She fit right in with the other troops and apparently was so convincing of, as a man soldier that the other troops didn't even question her general, her gender. Sorry. Her general gender. They did, however, make fun of her because she didn't have to shave. 
Babyface. Oh, Babyface Jimmy. Come on, Babyface Rob. They assumed it was because uh, she was just a teenage boy, and they gave her a hilarious nickname, Molly. (laughs) She was like, ah! <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god. That is so funny. That is so, so that is so funny because oh my god is that funny. What's funny is because that's crazy and 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 you're giving me that just just that's just maybe we keep spitballing, but uh, that's very funny on the premise. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go um peace landing up. <laughs> During her 3 years of military service in the Continental Army, Private Robert Shirtliff was on frontline duty for roughly 17 months of combat, part of the Light Infantry Company, a unit of skirmishers, scouts, and fast-moving ranger troops. Shirtliff saw her first action in a hardcore battle against loyalist forces outside of White Plains, New York. Charging head-on into battle, bayonet at the ready, she stormed the enemy and fought in brutal hand-to-hand combat. She received a sword wound to the head. Jesus. But Deborah refused medical treatment and just walked it off. I got this. No, I'm good. I'm good. I just... Fun to watch someone walk off a sword into their head. That's what you do. They're just walking left, left, left. No, 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 no. no, 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 I don't think you walk this off. Uh, on July 3rd, 1782, outside of Terrytown, New York... Sorry, sorry. What would be amazing... As if she did have to get medical attention. And they're like examining and then they just take her pants down and they're like, my God, someone cut this man's penis off. (laughs) Boom. On July 3rd, 1782, outside of Terrytown, New York, she was shot in the shoulder. She refused medical treatment and would walk around with a Brit bullet lodged in her shoulder for the rest of her life. I mean, what are you going to do? She can't get medical treatment. Just because... Well, they would take it off and see your tits. <laughs> but, I mean, so. And then the doctor would start sucking on them and then... So this is basically like the plot of just one of the guys, but... It's bosom buddies. The revolu- yeah, right. Okay, yeah. But it's a revolutionary war. Right, okay. Fighting up and down the Hudson River Valley for the next year and a half, Deborah and the Light Infantry were involved in dozens of small-scale fights with British troops. American loyalists and even a couple of Native American tribes north of the Hudson. Despite being constantly undersupplied, low on ammo, and without adequate amounts of food or warm clothing, the 4th Massachusetts soldiered on, soldiered on engaging in hardcore, close-course fighting every step of the way. Four months after being shot in the shoulder, Deborah was out with a small company of 30 other soldiers on a raid to attack a loyalist camp. The plan was to set it on fire and steal all of their horses. The mission went off just as planned, but as she was chasing down a fleeing loyalist, she was shot in the thigh. She managed to kill the loyalist, but slumped from her horse, covered in blood. She told her fellow soldiers to just leave her for dead, but they refused. Oh, no. One of her comrades rode her six miles to the hospital, but despite barely hanging on to consciousness, Deborah would rather have killed herself than be discovered as a woman. Instead of being seen by the surgeon, she went into the bathroom and dug the bullet out of her leg with a pocket knife. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Get, just let the jig be up. <laughs> it took her three tries to get it out. Oh, God. What the fuck? Oh, my God. God, that is a fucking... That is a lady. Ugh. Jesus. She's so much tougher than you. Ugh. 
Why is this gonna be about me? It's, I'm just imagining you trying to do it. The way you're yeah, all no, bald, the way no you're all way. balled no. up right now, Deborah would I'm be. Ca- I already told you my plan. My plan is I go, yeah, and then there's another bullet wound over here, but this one isn't bleeding as much. Ah, oh, shut my penis right off, too. God. Ah. It's such a here, surgeon, take care of this, and it feels like this one will uh, heal. I mean, it's not like a penis will grow back. Ah. No. Ah. No one's buying this one. Oh God. It's so weird how the penis area is not bleeding as much as the other one. Ah, just finished the job already. Private, we've all seen a vagina. Ah, my what? That's a vagina. My what? That's a vagina. Vagina? Yeah. I barely even know what you're talking about. There was a fully functioning okay. penis and a set of testicles right there not but six hours ago. Okay. Just isn't bleeding is all. I just... Okay. No, I get it. I, I got it. I've always been attracted to you. Deborah refused further medical treatment, strapped a tourniquet on her leg, and walked out of the hospital. Two weeks later, one of her fellow soldiers came down with malaria, so she volunteered to stay behind the main body of the unit and take care of him, a move that also gave her time to heal. Deborah and the malaria malaria soldier were left at the home of a supporter of American independence, but he turned out to be a loyalist sympathizer. And he gave poor medical care to the sick soldier until he died. Deborah was then locked in a cellar. Well, why was she? Lo- oh, because they thought she had malaria. Or she would, they, he just didn't want to kill her, but he didn't want her to go free. Oh. So he locked her in the cellar. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So well, she was, uh, she's on the other side of the fight. Oh, okay. He's a loyalist. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm still focused on the penis part. I get it. She managed to escape found a crew of local militia, and had the guy arrested as a traitor and a murderer. Jesus. She's, yeah. a, she's a tank. She's fucking amazing. She's tougher than you. In 1782, Deborah took a raiding party to the headwaters of the Hudson to fight Indians and received a written commendation for bravery in the face of the enemy. A few months after that, she was part of a union unit that was ambushed by loyalist forces and had to jump into the freezing river and swim across it in the dead of winter while the enemy troops shot at her. She nearly drowned, but her quick thinking helped save the lives of many men in her company who followed suit. Wow. She was the fucking shiznit. Yeah. The Revolutionary War ended, but Deborah slash Robert continued her career. Slash Molly. She was slash Molly. She was appointed to be aide de camp to General Patterson. During the summer of 1783, Deborah came down with malaria and was cared for by a doctor, Barnabas Binney. <laughs> sure. Yep. Seriously. Because whatever, right? <laughs> Because there's no rules when it comes to names, right? Hello, I'm your cartoon doctor. <laughs> Hello. Uh, let me just whip into my pants here for the whoop. No, that's not a scalpel. That's a rubber chicken. An alarm clock. What? <gasps> a sizzling bomb. <laughs> he removed her clothes to treat her and discovered the cloth she used to bind her breasts and a complete lack of a dong. The doctor, the doctor nursed Deborah to health and then sent her back to her commander with a letter explaining the situation. She was sent back on a ship. Of course, en route to her commander, the ship she was on sunk. Of course. Deborah nearly drowned, but somehow managed to swim to shore. Jesus. (laughs) She's still okay. (laughs) She's like the the Hugh. She she is Janet Silver Linings. She's the Hugh Hugh Glass of women. Yeah, yeah. Deborah gave the letter to a commander and confessed that she wasn't a dude. But what were they supposed to do? She was a complete and total badass. Yeah. She'd been a loyal so- soldier for three years of the war. General 
Fat Henry Knox. It says fat. It can't Jesus. be right. That had to have been uh, that had to have been an autocorrect when I was writing it. <laughs> fat. Fat Henry Knox. General Fat. Yes. <laughs> I'm eating. Yes. No. Hold on. I've gotten some uh, barbecue sauce on some of these battle plans. <laughs> I've used the napkin as a map, and the map is a napkin. Did the man return with the donuts? Uh, anyway, uh, what sort of food did they have at the camp when you spot on? Uh, General Fat Henry Knox gave her an honorable discharge from the military, allowing her to keep her uniform and collect a veteran's war pension. She was discharged from the Army on October 25th, 1783. She then boarded a ship from New York City to Providence and then walked to Massachusetts. I mean, why not? Well, why, I mean, why, why would you... amazing is that that doesn't really sound like much. No, at that point, it's at just like, point, well, of course she did. Of course she did. Of course she walked... Shocked a, she did somersault. Of course Skip she... Skip a little. ...walked across a state. Yep. Deborah met a farmer, got married, and had three kids. Oh, wow. Though they lived close to poverty... So she, there was no sexual... There was no sexuality conflict She was just her. a badass. Just, she was just like, fuck it, I she just just wanted, wanted to tear shit up. Yeah, she wanted to tear shit up. <laughs> Settle down later. <laughs> and then after that, have a few kids. Yeah. Uh, it turns out Deborah had her pay and pension withheld because she was a she. Mm. So she was. They were living near poverty. Eight years later, Deborah petitioned the Massachusetts State Legislature for her pay. Her petition was approved, then signed by Governor John Hancock. The General Court of Massachusetts verified her service and wrote that she quote exhibited an extraordinary instance of female heroism by discharging the duties of a faithful, gallant soldier and at the same time preserving the virtue and chastity of her sex, unsuspected and unblemished. So I think what they're saying here, if I can read this correctly, is that she was an awesome soldier and she didn't let anybody bang her. Yeah, right? That is what I think that's what they're saying. They're saying congratulations on being really good at what you do. Also, nobody put their uh, dick in you. The truth is, imagine if some of those dudes were like, wait, 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 what do you have? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got you got a what in there? You got a what's a? You got a you got a what's a? Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, those guys were monsters. The war just got very different. Yeah, yeah. The court awarded her a total of 34 pounds plus interest, dating back to her discharge in 1783, but she still had no pension. That's when her buddy... Paul Revere came to the rescue. Whoa. Name drop. <laughs> All right. She runs in tight circles. I get it. <laughs> Revere wrote Congress requesting that she be given the pension she deserved. On March 11th, 1805, Congress in Washington obliged the letter and placed her on the Massachusetts invalid pension roll. This pension pan paid her $4 a month. Deborah died of yellow fever on April 29th, 1827 at the age of 66 she she was the first woman officially recognized as serving in the united states army wow how about that shit that's a bad bitch she's no fucking she's no joke no joke i don't think you're supposed to say bad bitch she's a bad bitch it's but it's uh it's a derogatory word and a good word i think i think that uh i think when used properly quentin tarantino's taught us that that could be okay. that, that sort of language can be a yeah i don't i don't think that you should ever say Quentin Tarantino has taught us. What what do you got against Terry's? Oh, he's garbage. No. Yeah, I really don't like him. None of them? No. I, yeah, well, the one he stole, um, the first one. What, and the Reservoir second Dogs? one. Yeah, the one he stole, I like he a lot. He stole that? Oh, yeah. It's almost scene for scene from, from a Japanese film. 
Uh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, know that. and then and then all of his movies have. Um, I mean, I love I love long scenes of people talking at um, tables in plays. I, look, right. I I it's fine. I don't fine. think they're all great, but I mean, they're like I mean, Pulp Fiction is really good. Yep, Kill, the Kill Bills are amazing. They're terrible. I, I walked out. Ah, uh, uh, walked out. I walked out. Yeah. Oh, see. All show. right. Yeah, we're just he's, he's from Garbage Town. Well, you ain't a bad bitch. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go see Road Mad Max. It's fucking awesome. Go see it in IMAD Max. I'm. <laughs> hey there, people listening to the dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I listen. I have a new podcast called "We're Here to Help" that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't. But we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it. But either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. <laughs>